Welcome to the Drum's Anatomy of an Ad podcast. I'm Amy Houston, reporter at The Drum. And on this week's episode, I'm speaking with Joanna Reith, Global Director of PR at Love Honey, and Tanya Grubner, Global Innovation Brand and Communications Director at ST, about the challenges both brands have and are currently still facing with big tech. Thank you so much for both of you taking the time to join me. And obviously, I've spoken previously to, to both of you on separate occasions about different topics. But it's interesting that you're both kind of facing similar issues. And obviously, I posted on LinkedIn about the interview I did with you, Joanna, uh, about Love Honey and Tanja. You commented on it saying, Essity, you're having very, very similar issues. Obviously, Love Honey are continuing to push back on Google's kind of stringent um, policies. Body form, are, you know, Essity are constantly fighting you know, to portray real bodies and real situations in ads. So the two, you you know, you're fighting a very similar battle here. And I just thought it'd be so interesting to get both of you together on the podcast and hopefully, you know, shed a bit more light on this situation, but ultimately put more pressure onto big tech to make these necessary changes. So I think maybe to begin just for the listeners, it would be great if you could both kind of introduce yourself and just chat briefly about your role. Um, so Tanja, I'll maybe go to you first, if that's OK. Sure. So um, I'm Tanja. I'm the Global Marketing Director for Feminine Care at SCT. So our brands, depending on uh, the country, are probably better known as uh, Libreso Body Form. And what we do is we innovate and market uh, and advertise feminine care products. So period pants, um, period pads, liners, uh, tampons, intimate washes and intimate wipes. Cool. And Joanna, maybe you could go next. Yes. Um, Thanks for inviting me. My name is Joanna. Um, I'm the Global Director of PR and Head of Sexual Empowerment at Love Honey Group. Um, Love Honey Group uh, is an e-commerce platform, an online shop for sex toys, products for the love life, but we also produce different brands that we then sell through other uh, B2B um, retailers. Um, yeah, uh, I think I'm now with the company for around five years and in general work within the sex toy, sexual wellness industry for eight years. So I have quite a bit, um, could gather quite a bit of experience in that field. Yeah, definitely. Um, and obviously, I kind of touched on there that you're both facing similar battles within advertising and, you know, that the whole kind of media space. Maybe it would be good for our listeners that aren't kind of aware of these battles. Maybe you could sort of just uh, go into a bit more detail as to what they actually are. So maybe, Joanna, you could start off with um, Love Honey. Yeah, I think many people aren't aware how difficult it is mm-hmm. to advertise products. I mean, we also have products basically for men or people with a penis, but in general, when it comes to sexuality, sexual health, female health, um, because we are quite restricted when it comes to marketing. So there are not too many opportunities or a lot of restrictions, um, no ads on social media, like Instagram, Facebook, um, no Google retargeting, TV ads, you're often not allowed to do only late at night when it comes to our products, out-of-home campaigns, so really all these kind of 
this variety of marketing measures you have in general are not there mostly for especially our category of sex toys. So that really means you are kind of restricted and need to be super creative and find new ways to advertise the products. Yeah. And Tanya, is that a similar story for Acity? Um, so I think the channels that we are allowed to use to advertise feminine care products, be it our new period pants or uh, period pets, is broader. So we have a big opportunity, but um, we are often restricted in terms of at what time. Uh, so depending on what we show it, uh, it can only be shown in, in the evening, uh, which is really weird because periods, you know, uh, happen to uh, girls at the age of 12 uh, and they affect every uh, second person on the planet. And what we are facing is uh, that most of our ads or all of them need to go through a very lengthy approval process, uh, both with uh, TV stations as well as uh, social media. And despite that process being very lengthy, we cannot obtain an approval that would be valid across geographies or that would be valid over time. So let me give you an example. It could be that uh, we get an ad approved uh, and then it would be censored uh, in Sweden and you can run it in, in Germany or it's okay to run it in Australia. Uh, and we even had that case that one ad was approved and a year later when we had the second wave uh, of the campaign by the very same organization in the very same country, but because a different person looked at it, uh, was censored. And what we see that in general, our products, and that's mainly period care and daily intimate care products, are because of uh, the nature of it are sometimes misclassified. And the ads are very often um, taken off uh, air or banned. Uh, content is very much uh, being censored and that leads to a very distorted um, point of view. We often uh, get ads rejected by being accused of, uh, you know, objectifying women uh, or by uh, causing widespread public offense. But actually, the only thing that we're doing is, you know, providing uh, a product that uh, women plus around the world need to uh, manage their period. So there is nothing offensive about it. Um, and, you know, showing uh, red liquid instead of uh, blue shouldn't be offensive but completely normal because that's what happens in our bodies. Yeah absolutely and it does kind of make you think that in 2022 women's health be it sexual wellness as well like it is still deemed as taboo um, and you do kind of have to question why. And I think I mean I think Tanya that was a good example right I mean for example, you producing period panties. I mean, how do you show period panties? Someone is wearing them, right? This has nothing to do with objectifying women. We have the same, like when we have sing simple posts, so we can't even do the ads, right? We are not even there. We're just posting stuff and that gets taken off because they say it's kind of too sexy. But of course, I mean, there is a toy. It's never in use, but it's maybe next to a woman that isn't bad and maybe wearing underwear. I mean, that's the, the most natural way you could show that product because nobody is fully close standing next to or using a sex toy, right? And it's 
that the hypocritical part of about that is that there are huge lingerie brands mm-hmm. that can show women basically naked in their lingerie because that's what they sell yeah. and they don't get posts are not kind of taken kind of offline they can do ads and most of these classic lingerie brands you could ask if they sexualize women because they're normally really fitting to the beauty standard that is out there in the society skinny really looking like catering more more to the male gaze than showing the lingerie so that's kind of I think the hypocritical part that is out there and that we are questioning and think it's not it's not fair. And I, I think that feedback is incredibly subjective and very often very personal. Uh, and it can you know it can go to ri- ridiculous um comments like cupcakes are too erotic or, uh, you know, the, the, a woman who is comfortable lying on, on a couch wearing period pants that, you know, um, she needs to have her legs super tightly closed because otherwise she uh, is inviting for sex. I mean, she's just on her period, right? Uh, and I, I think that is something that really needs to change. Yeah, and I think, Joanna, you touched on something there. It seems like a lot of advertising campaigns are kind of made for the male gaze. And I think when, you know, brands like Bodyform or Love Honey are trying to sort of push back against that notion, you're just facing so many barriers. So it's almost confirming what we already thought ads are being made for the male gaze. And it just makes you think that obviously women's healthcare in general, is not a priority for people. I think there's just a lot of sexism on, especially also on, on social media platforms, and it doesn't doesn't feel that they really fight against that. So I'm I'm wondering how can they target if you want so small brands like we are or middle sized companies, but they ca- can't seem to find a solution to fight more against sexism, racism, hate, but they are able to find small ads that we try to push somewhere. Right? It's kind of I don't know what their focus is, but I think they have a huge sexism problem and they don't really do anything about it. And I I guess the disadvantage that Johanna and me have and everyone that is working in our industry is that our products are put in a specific product classification. Uh, hence, very often they are automatically rejected just because of the nature uh, of the product. So, uh, that's why you can see ads about perfume, you can see ads about beer, uh, you name it, uh, that can advertise with half-naked women that are really being sexualized, but they, you know, they just go through the approval uh, chain. And that is something that's simply um, unacceptable. And I think Everyone who is in charge of brands and uh, is doing advertising needs to be very careful, you know, how people in the ads are being portrayed. So uh, we can make mistakes as well. So that's why we do a lot of um, advertising testing to make sure it's resonating uh, with our audience. And I think what I'm really proud to say is that independently of which campaign we've been launching uh, and which taboo in the industry, uh, we've been trying to tackle women felt understood. So then it becomes even more 
surprising uh, when the, comp the, the platforms, you know, who can put that ad out that is uh, obviously not only there to sell products, but also uh, to really normalize taboos or destigmatize what's going on in the society is telling you that you're doing exactly the opposite of what consumers think uh, is going on. Yeah, so obviously you're getting the feedback from consumers that they really appreciate the campaigns that you're putting out and they, they feel seen and heard. Um, that the, the, they're not going through the sort of regulations of the big tech companies. Um, has there been any responses from big tech? Have you guys reached out? You know, has I know Love Honey has reached out to Google previously and not uh, heard much back. Is that still the same the same story, Joanna? Yeah, I mean, we heard back from their ads team as we invest a lot in Google Ads, right? We always did. That's a that's the thing, and we still invest a lot. We just get less out of it. <laughs> that's that's the problem for that. And the ads team, the colleagues there at Google are really helpful, but they are not making the policies, right? We need to talk to the people that make the policies, and they don't they don't answer. There was once I think they gave a comment to a media uh, another media and saying yeah that's not basically true or it's it's not they kind of work on the on the policies but they never really talk to us and really stick to their guidelines especially when it comes to ads it's not us wanting to target now some someone who's 14 and tell them please buy a sex toy right that's not even what we try to do we really target people that, for example google for sex google sex toys so they have the intention obviously know what it is so you don't do anything to them by showing them the content especially because our products are shown in a in a good way, right? There's nothing like as harmful content as it's kind of called. So yeah, we try, but so far nobody wanted to talk to us to really have an actual I mean, conversation. I'm not surprised. Mm. I I didn't think that they would. It's disappointing, but it's not surprising to hear that. Uh, I mean, they're, they're kind yeah, of brushing you off. They're just, you know, they're just so big and have such a huge market power, right? That they don't really need to do it just from a, business revenue perspective. I think that's why they don't really care. And again, often at these companies, you have mostly men, I would say, in the C-suite. And I think they even get the problem less or maybe are really not interested in, in it. I, I don't know what they think, honestly, would be would be nice to know. Yeah, <laughs> we were speculating because they won't, they won't answer <laughs> Sorry, on you go, Tanya. I, so I think uh, from my point of view, I can separate uh, almost the, uh, the TV stations or the, the, the big traditional media companies from uh, the new social media companies. And I, I think what we've seen is that while on TV, you know, the discussion was very big uh, and we had uh, banned. So uh, for a long time, it was forbidden to show red liquid when you did a product demonstration of a period pad that now we really managed to overcome many uh, bans and actually advertising regulations in several countries in the world. Uh, we have managed to change together with them uh, because they were open to talks. They have uh, looked at our research and they felt, you know, this is the right thing uh, to change. And they did that. And I think we're really proud of that. And we have now really close cooperations, even with, uh, for example, the ASA um, 
that uh, define the advertising standards uh, in the UK, for example. And uh, when there is a complaint, they've been asked to look into it. And very often, uh, you know, they uh, support us in their stand. So I think this is huge progress compared to what we've been uh, five years ago. And this is why it's even more surprising that in the, you know, more new, let's say, tech uh, social media companies, the, the policies almost seem like from another century. Uh, so they are not rooted in in 2022 or even uh, 2010. And I, I think that's, that's really shocking. And the reason why it's so difficult for us to change it is because the way uh, the organizations are set up. So we are uh, in contact uh, with the marketing or with the sales teams, and they are very often you know, uh, on our side. Uh, so they are very celebratory. Um, Whereas then you have the uh, policy teams and there is no way you can contact them. So they are very much protected within the organization. And the, uh, so you get a number and this number uh, is attributed to your ad and then uh, you get a, a report. But there is no way you can directly uh, talk to anybody uh, in policy. And that's quite the clever way of, uh, you know, protecting. Uh, so... I even uh, had that case that within the same company, don't want to call out names, uh, we've got awarded, uh, you know, for um, having a positive impact on society. And on the very same day, um, the policy team took our ads down that we've been awarded for because they felt we were objectifying women. So this is also how disconnected the teams are inside. And that's also what makes it very hard for, you know, the, the marketing teams and then, you know, to help us. And I, I think you can't promote to lean in from the top uh, of a company and then not doing it inside with your own policy team because half of the population is female, right? So um, we can't have policies based on uh, the male gaze. Uh, that's fundamentally wrong. Yeah, and it, it, from what you've said there, it's like one step forward, two steps back. And it seems like the experience you're both having is pretty similar, pretty you know, much the same. Um, I know, Joanna, you've previously said that social media ads just aren't possible for Love Honey. You've had to grow your following organically. Is it, a, is it kind of a similar situation for Libre's own brand, Tanya? Or are you able to, to create social media ads, say for Instagram, things like that? Uh, we can. So uh, there we are. We're not, uh, we're not that restricted or limited. But the content is is very much reviewed and censored. But that was also just recently that they shared it, right? There was this big kind of scandal where this, I think it was Rupi Kapoor who posted that picture of herself having being on her period. And I think that's when Instagram started to change their policies a little bit when it comes to women showing a picture where they have a panty on that maybe has, has blood on it. I think at that point, they kind of made better policies, at least when it comes to, because it's part of female health, right? I mean, you can't do anything about it. You could still say with sex toys, okay, that's for fun. Nobody needs it. Um, but I mean, what can you do about it? <laughs> Get your period if you want or not. And I think that was one of the big moments where they got a big back, backlash and they started to accept a little bit more, at least when it comes to period and period products. 
Um, but I guess they still take down posts and stuff like that. But in general, I think they they changed their policies a little bit back then when this um, when that happened because they got a big backlash. Yeah, I, I think there is um, on a regular basis an outcry uh, when something like that is shown and when um, a, let's say a, a, a opinion leader uh, is involved. But um, I think in in general. Um, because it's pure care and because that's such a taboo, uh, we see big uh, rejections. Yeah, it seems from an outsider looking in that um, a lot of these social media platforms are very slow to kind of a um, take down. I mean, you only have to look at various um, influencers that have been in the news recently. I won't say names, but various men um, don't want to obviously, you know, give them a platform, but, you know, we're very slow to be taken off, you know, Instagram and YouTube and things like that, where they're obviously, you know, uh, speaking very hatefully against women. Um, but with you guys, it's, you know, you can't even sometimes get ads, you know, through the restrictions. They're very quickly taken down. It does seem like there's a double standard here. I would definitely say so. And there are 100,000 examples for that not only from us but other companies right i think they they say it's not true but we can i think prove them wrong with a lot of examples so yeah it feels yeah like there's a huge devil standard and when it comes to women women's pleasure female sexuality and i mean female health that's all kind of connected with each other right these are all topics and i mean that there was the same for centuries right it was women were oppressed and especially with these topics controlling these topics help you to control people right so I think that's basically happening for forever and centuries and was a way to control women and that's where it's coming from and they I don't know don't really seem to deal with that topic or see it that way but I think that's yeah it's just there forever and we are not accepting it anymore I mean I think it's Society has always put enormous pressure on, on women's bodies. And I, I think that pressure is even emphasized or, or stronger uh, when it comes to vaginas and periods and, and women's um, health uh, specifically. And the crazy thing is that, you know, girls, when they are born, they are not born ashamed of their bodies. It's, it's just, it, it's not a thing. It doesn't exist anywhere in the world. Uh, but society um, is shaming and uh, stigmatizing so much when it comes to the female body that when those girls grow up in that environment uh, and usually around puberty, uh, you know, when, when they're not at their most confident, then they are starting to internalize all that uh, hate uh, that they are facing. And I think this has really disastrous consequences on, on girls uh, growing up and on, yeah, how they they walk around in, in the world. And I, I think there is just so much shame and, and hate that shouldn't be there. And I, I think, you know, it leads to, uh, you know, girls uh, missing out at school or being shamed or bullied. They are not allowed to be part of 
yeah, everyday uh, family life or they feel uncomfortable how their uh, vulva looks. The, the women uh, can't even, you know, uh, name all their body parts internally, but they know how all the different body parts of a penis are called, right? Uh, and this is only because this is openly talked about and the other one uh, you're not. And I, I think that the impact is like really shocking because if you don't know uh, how your body parts are called and how uh, they should look like when they're healthy, you can't spot cancer. Or if you're too ashamed uh, to go to a doctor. Um, and I don't know why in 2022 we still need to talk about that. Yeah, it's almost like this kind of cycle of shame and the repercussions of that are so detrimental um, in all aspects of our life, be it education, relationships, health. Um, but I think there is a sense as well, like, you know, especially even with you, Tanya, commenting on my LinkedIn post and even us just bringing the three of us together on this podcast to speak about it, there is a sort of sense that we are all in it together. Um, even though it is a sort of dire situation, um, I think the thing about women is we do kind of have this lovely like community around us and we do freely speak with each other. So at least there's that. <laughs> Absolutely. And I, I think uh, this is really nice. The, the more women you talk to, you feel like you become this group of uh, Erin Brockovich, uh, you know, that is advertising for what's the right uh, thing to do for women and for uh, women's health and for their right uh, of pleasure uh, and everything related to it. And I, I think that's very inspiring and powerful. And I think the bigger our group gets and the, the louder our voices are. And hopefully the more women who can take on uh, positions in leadership, uh, you know, uh, ultimately <laughs> policies will change. Yeah. I hope if, I don't know, only one person that hears that podcast feels a little bit freer after that. Um, I think we already achieved a lot, right? Because I think it's so, I mean, if you once come to that point and see how ridiculous that all is, because I mean, female sexuality, period, that's the reason we are all, all are on earth. I mean, we wouldn't be here without female sexuality um, and the reproduction system, basically, and also sexuality. There's nothing wrong about sexuality as long as you protect yourself. If you use contraception, right? Other than that, or masturbation, the safest, safer sex, best way. I mean, safer than having it with another person. But even that, there's nothing wrong about something that is so much fun and that everybody loves to do and only sometimes for reproducing themselves. So I think it's, to me, if you once come to that conclusion, it's so weird that we treat it as such a taboo and something sinful, why it is something that is important to health and can be a lot of fun if done right and knowing all the body parts and talking about it. Definitely. And I think um, it's like you said, even if one person hears this and feels a bit more, um, you know, open to discuss these things or, you know, a bit more confident in themselves, I think, you know, that's a job done. And if any of these big tech companies are listening, then, you know, the fight's not over and we're going to keep speaking about it. And yeah, I just wanted to thank you guys again for coming on, taking the time to be part of the podcast. I think it's quite nice to maybe leave it there on that kind of positive note. Um, yeah, and thank you very much. 
Thanks for giving us the opportunity and the platform. Thank you for having us and for bringing us together. No worries, it was really interesting. It was great to kind of bring you guys together to speak about this. So bye guys.